This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Contact them about all of your Disney travel needs. Email them at communicorweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com and tell them we sent you. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And the D23 Expo is coming up very shortly. And What's that? You know, it's it's this big gathering of Disney fans that happens but twice a year. I mean, twice oh. every, once every two years. I don't know, math. I'm sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah, I know math. Um, you mean the one that's on the other side of the world? For yeah, for, but, but very close to me, that one. Okay. okay. You know, that one. Gotcha. Anyway, if you are going to D23 and you can sing, even if you can just sing kind of, let me know because we're going to be doing something. Uh, if you email me at communicorweekly at gmail.com, I'll give you a little more information. I'm being purposely vague about it, but it'll be a lot of fun. So shoot us an email, communicorweekly at gmail.com, and I promise if you're yeah. going, you'll have a blast. Now, now I did ride Fury 325, though. I mean, that's got numbers in it. Does that That count? does have numbers in it, and it kind of counts as math. So maybe? Okay, okay. I don't know. It that's has the weird. same numbers? Yeah. The, but in yeah, a different right. order? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Should we oh, should well. we just go to the history segment before we mess up math? Yeah, we probably should. Okay. It's time for Disney History. In my ever continuing quest to show everyone in the world how awesome the Animal Kingdom is, today we'll be talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. You know, and you know, sure, the Asia section of the park has quite a selection of things to do, you know, from rafting expeditions uh, to exotic teas of the Royal Anandapur Tea Company, or even, you know, sipping the wonderfully delicious Yak Attack among priceless artifacts at the Yak and Yeti restaurant. But the Animal Kingdom's Asia section is also home to one of my favorite things to do in all of Walt Disney World, and that is the Maharaja Jungle Trek. So the Maharaja Jungle Trek is a self-guided walking tour that transports guests to the royal forest of Anandapur. Not only is it absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous and has an abundance of wildlife, it also tells you the story of King Bhima Dasampati. Why did you give me that word? Sorry. That's okay. We, we, we try. Bhima Dasampati, the creator of the preserve. So much like everything Disney does, the Maharaja Jungle Trek features a pretty in-depth and clever backstory. And the legend goes back to the Rajas of uh, Andapur that were hunting tigers within the royal forest since ancient times. And in 1544, a Maharaja, which is a rank above Raja in India, uh, named Bhima Dissampati, uh, I think I messed it up more than George did, (laughs) he declared the forest to be a royal preserve. So Bhima had a hunting lodge built on the site where he and his guests could hunt tigers for sport. He continued to hunt until his rule came to an end. From then, each successive Maharaja viewed nature in a different light, and eventually the tiger hunting practice was discontinued. For centuries, the lodge sat unused and decayed into ruin. In 1948, the people of Anandapar 
gained control of the royal forest and turned it into the nature preserve. So today, the Royal Anandapar Wildlife and Forest Authority operate the walking trail through the preserve, where every concerned person is considered a foundation stone for our wildlife's future. And the entrance to the trek is located just beyond Cali River Rapids, and once you enter, you can pick up an animal uh, guide map containing valuable information such as wildlife viewing trips. It's a good thing you didn't put too much of a pause there. You can pick up an animal. And take it home. Guide map. With oh, you. Okay. Yes, no, no, this is not Communicore Weekly. Will it, it fit in my carry-on? <laughs> not the tigers. We no, tried that. probably not. Remember? Yeah, once, okay. and that's a whole thing. Anyway. The, the flying tires. Uh, tigers. So... <laughs> What's, once you're along the trail, you'll come across the world's largest lizard species. On your left, look quickly, the Komodo dragon. At their full length of 10 to 13 feet, these reptiles weigh more than 250 pounds. In addition to being so huge, they are super agile and can run faster than 10 miles per hour. So they're like ninjas. They are pretty much like nin ninjas. Um, nice. And when they hunt for food, the Komodo dragons use their snake-like tongues to find the scent of prey. And in the wild, Komodo dragons are found on the Indonesian islands of Flores, not Russell Flores, just regular Flores, uh, Gili Montag, Komodo, and Rinka. And as you continue on your journey, you'll see signs of civilization begin to disappear. Surrounded by exotic foliage and calming water features, you'll forget you're even in a theme park. Ahead, just beyond a small creek, are the Malayan tappers. These animals are shy and are the largest subspecies of tappers in the world. They are native to Southeast Asia. Now, the Malayan tappers have very poor eyesight, much like me, and they rely on their sense of smell to find their food. They mostly eat vegetation at ground level and a lot of the fruit that has kind of fallen off the trees. They actually communicate with each other by whistling, which is what George and I do secretly throughout <laughs> every episode, and you guys just don't realize it. <laughs> Not hearing the whistles, people. Come on. Yeah. Ghost whistle. Go, 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 go. Tapur oh, whistle. Um, they're also nocturnal, so you'll, you know, mostly see them sleeping in the shade when the trail's open. Yeah, I find me sleeping in the shade there, too. All the time. All the time. So, okay, the, the next stop is the community hall, where, where, where you'll have an unobstructed view of the famous cliff bats of Anandapur. Of course, if you're afraid of bats, you do have the option of bypassing them completely, but... Should you want to check them out, you'll see both Rodriguez fruit bats and Malayan flying foxes. There are no barriers between you and the bats, but don't worry. They're harmless to humans. Unless you commit a crime and then Batman. I was going to say, or are they? Or but they I like be. that better. If yeah. you commit a crime, it's like they're bat, they do the bat signal and You're anyway. So there is a visual distinction between the two subspecies and their spies. The Malayan fly, uh, flying foxes have a wingspan of six feet, and that's double the size of the Rodriguez fruit bats. I said that wrong, didn't I? Rodriguez? Uh, it's whatever. fine. Or Rodriguez. Rodriguez, whatever. As the bats travel, they actually drop fruit seeds, uh, which in turn help replant the forest around them. So they're, they're pretty good. It's not bad. In addition to the bats, the hall also has a number of terrariums showcasing some of the smaller wildlife found in the royal forest. You'll find the white-lipped tree frog, the largest of the tree frogs in the world. You'll also see the Asian giant centipede, which can grow up to 30 centimeters and scare the pants off of me. <laughs> I wonder if the white-lipped tree frog is related to the big mouth podcasters from <laughs> Communicore Weekly at all. <laughs> it's possible. Well, yes. Also in this area is the blood python, uh, named after their dark red color, and they can actually camouflage themselves in the dead leaves of the underbrush. 
But uh, just outside the community hall is the ruins of the hunting lodge itself. And after ascending the stairs, you'll come to an outlook facing a large portion of the hunting grounds. This outlook was once used as a hunting post by the king and his guests. The lodge itself, though, is in very poor condition. Walls are weathered, a fountain has sprung a leak, and a tree has now uh, torn apart a tower from the inside out. But, you know, on this outlook is where you're able to view the majestic tigers of Anandapur for the very first time. They have uh, six Asian tigers that have actually taken up residence within the lodge. And while poaching has reduced the number of tigers in the wild to, more, uh, to fewer than 8,000, the lodge itself actually provides a safe haven for the ones living there. What kind of room service they get? Uh, probably not very good. Yeah, okay. So, like most cats, Asian tigers hunt using retractable claws. Like some mutant we all know. No, I wasn't talking about Russell. I meant, like, Wolverine. Wolverine. Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, okay. And on really, really warm days, which is most of the time in Florida, <laughs> you'll, you'll find them swimming in the fountain to cool down. Asian tigers are also very stealthy, so don't be surprised to find them sneaking up behind you in the lodge. Just kidding. Just kidding. They are actually nearly inaudible walking on their padded paws, though, so they can sneak up on prey. Just, like theme park visitors. Just like people. Yeah, ooh, wait, that's a little scary. <laughs> I'm going to need to rethink this trail now. Just a bit. Just past the outlook is an ancient prayer tree. And the villagers of Anandapur place scarves and garlands on the tree to represent their prayers. And then they add bells to them once their prayers have been answered. But also in the lodge, you'll also find these mur uh, murals depicting important events from the history of Anandapur. Beyond the tree is another ruined hallway with another chance to see the tigers and four murals depicting the Maharajas of Anandapur. The first mural is of Bhima Dasampati. He's the only one depicted carrying a hunting weapon. Across from him is his successor, who was obsessed with material wealth much more than hunting. And after that, the next is depicted hold, uh, holding a large building, showing that he focused on rebuilding the decaying buildings of the kingdom. And the final Maharaja is shown living peacefully with nature. So each mural clearly shows the different styles and viewpoints of each Maharaja. The next courtyard shows many species coexisting peacefully with one another. Eld's deer, blackbuck antelope, banting cattle, and several birds can be found here. The Eld's deer have spreading antlers, while the blackbuck have a unique, twisted horn. The blackbuck is also one of the fastest antelopes in the world, reaching up to 50 miles per hour, making it easy to outrun it on tech track. I mean, it's easy to escape a tiger pursuing it. <laughs> the Bantang are very shy and avoid human contact if they can. And you'll find the, the cattle grazing on various types of vegetation as they travel in groups of two or more in the wild. And although there are about a million domestic Bantag, there are only about 10,000 that are actually in the wild. Anandapur's Ministry of Public Health provides safe water for travelers just after the courtyard. Uncontaminated water is provided in pots, buckets, jugs, and a traditional water fountain for those less adventurous among you. The old worn-down bicycle next to some of the jugs shows how bike travel is the most popular form of transportation in Anandapur. In fact, you'll find bikes and their tracks all over Anandapur as you explore. Next to the watering hole is a bridge that's decorated with prayer flags. And as you cross the bridge, you'll see the animals previously viewed in the courtyard to your left and the tigers to your right. And across the bridge is a tomb of Anata, the uh, founder of Anandapur. And the entrance is adorned by five relief sculptures. And these sculptures tell the story of what happens when the human race doesn't respect its place in the circle of life. 
took a breath so I wouldn't I start singing. I was waiting for one of us to do it, and we ne neither of us took it. That's fine. I think that's good. We're, we're growing up. We're, we're, we are. We're becoming more mature podcasters. Probably not. Um, yeah. So inside the temple itself, you'll find a large sarcophagus with Anantas remains. After that is the final stop of the trail, the aviary, which is home to more than 20 species of exotic birds. And just as you enter, you'll trade your animal guide map for a bird viewing guide. And the birds found here are representative of the wide variety found throughout uh, uh, the entirety of Asia. Birds can be found living in all layers of the forest, including the few that can be found on the water. The aviary was once a large enclosed room, and in its heyday, it was the lodge's grand ballroom. There are central columns, ornate tiles, and partially destroyed walls. But much like the rest of the lodge, it has deteriorated over the years by the elements, and so it's open to the birds. As you leave the aviary, you're back outside the preserve and into the village, but hopefully you'll pick up on one of the reoccurring themes the Imagineers demonstrated during the walkthrough, nature's power over man. You know, the forest where man once intruded has been reclaimed by the wilds of the jungle. And the people of Anandapur decided that preserving this place was better than destroying it, learning the error of their ways. This theme goes along with a larger theme of the animal kingdom, that of conservation. And full day parkness. Well, yeah, I mean, if you walk through all that, sure. But, that, but if you skip it, then... That's you, what you're supposed to do. Like, when you're there, you're supposed to experience all the attractions really? and things you have to see. There is a really nice bathroom there right outside that uh, George, come on, man. I know that much. Eyes on the prize. Oh, okay, okay. So, well, we want to know what you guys think about the Maharaja Jungle Trek at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Disney's Full Day Animal Kingdom Park. Hashtag Full Day Park. Yeah, well, I figured you'd give me a nickel every time I say that. So, yep. uh, But we want to know what you think, nickel. so give us a call on the Communicore Weekly hotline at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. Cadets, this is going to be a short book review because I had to constantly remind George not to sing the Mickey Mouse Club March. Communicorally worldwide, we'd like to apologize in advance for any singing from George or myself. So this week's book is Forever Hold Your Banner High, the story of the Mickey Mouse Club and what happened to the Mouseketeers by Jerry Bowles, published in 1976, and it's 151 pages. Okay. Oh, it's going to be hard not to sing during this. Um, forever I take away your... a nickel every time you do. Oh, man, I earned one for the Animal Kingdom thing. Jeez. Okay, Forever Hold Your Banner High, the Mickey Mouse Club book, basically, looked pretty interesting, and it wasn't what I really expected at all. Jerry Bowles, the author, was someone that I wasn't familiar with, hasn't published a lot in the Disney role, but he did grow up in Virginia, and he remembers watching the first season of the Mickey Mouse Club, or the MMC, which is what the cool kids call it, so I'm not Was it? Wrong call it that so but he started watching it in 1955 when he was 10 he said and um according to him it inspired him to go on to journalism school and eventually write this book and as you'll see by the end of the review completely obsess over a net um but based on the blurb on the cover it looks like you know this is going to be sort of like a tell-all or an expose type of book you know, it's it, this is a book for fans of the Mickey Mouse Club and probably for people of a certain generation who really aren't historians by nature but want to read about this. Um, not every uh, Mouseketeer is included in the book as well. Um, 
which I thought was interesting because as you're going through it, 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 the book is very easy to read, lots of photos, but I found myself grabbing my phone or my tablet in order to find photos of the Mouseketeers in order to tell them apart, you know? And no, I'm not saying that all Mouseketeers look alike just because they wear the same hats. That's what it was. So this book does take a look at most of the heavy hitters from the Mouseketeers, including the big Mouseketeer, Roy Williams, who did invent the mouse ears, by the way, and Jimmy Dodd, their leader. It's, it's surprisingly a very compelling story that does delve into the beginnings of the Mickey Mouse Club, as well as looking at how the first season you know, sort of worked. And as I mentioned, not every Mouseketeer is included, and the focus is on the red team, who are the everyday cast. And here's a who-who, who's who, wow, let that out on here, of who's covered. Lonnie, Darlene, Tommy, Cheryl, Bobby, Mickey, Doreen, Karen and Cubby, Sharon, and Annette. And Jeff. And, and Jeff, <laughs> yeah. And there are actually two chapters focusing on Annette, one at the very beginning, which leads into her being chosen and sort of the creation of the Mickey Mouse Club, and the last chapter, which discusses Annette as the everyday housewife. And as I said, it's quite obvious Mr. Bowles was smitten with Annette. And um, me. <laughs> so most of the book does focus on the years of the Mickey Mouse Club, and it sort of looks at what happened during those few short years it was on the air, and what the Mouseketeers were doing about 20 years later, you know, in the mid-70s. As I mentioned, it's a very easy book to read, Bowles has a great style, and he, he would look during each chapter at each Mouseketeer and talk about their role on the show. How did they join? How were they cast for it? And he would talk about their relationship with Walt and the other stars. And it sort of is set up like in an interview process where he actually met with each of the Mouseketeers and they talked about this. Very conversational in tone, really enjoyed it. And you know, I think it's something that uh, people would enjoy reading after maybe watching all the episodes, you know, as well as adding to the general body of knowledge of the, uh, the Mouseketeer history, so to speak. And, you know, one of the threads that he talked about a lot through the whole book is how Annette really was one of the <clears throat> least talented Mouseketeers. Everybody said this. What? Yes, but ended up being one of the most famous. And they said, I think it was poor Darlene, who actually wasn't as cute, but had an incredible voice, was an incredible dancer, um, incredible uh, comedian, but just couldn't catch a break. So it's kind of crazy. They said what the amount of fan mail that she received, Annette was pretty unparalleled. And something that I forgot to write down, which is kind of neat, I grabbed my copy of the book right here. The very back of it actually has an appendix, which would be removed after it bursts. <laughs> but it does tell you where, <laughs> thank you very much, that's librarian humor, thank you. Um, it gives you a list of uh, the different parts of the shows, what they did, the years, the different serials, like the Hardy Boys and um, the Spin and Marty. Gives you, uh, like, you know, Monday was the, you know, when they had the fun music day, blah, 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 stuff with that. But also a listing of every article that they that he was able to find and pull up. Plot synopsis of all the shows, all the stars who produced it. So it's actually a pretty cool book. That's chock full of information. I like that. Yeah, I've had it for a long time and just was like, huh, I think I'll take a look at it. Uh, of course, in the mid-70s when there was a lot of paraphernalia, a lot of stuff going on about the 50s, like Happy Days came into vogue and they were about to do the new mickey mouse club so you know i think anybody that's a fan of the mickey mouse club is going to enjoy this book and it is called forever hold your banner high 
the story of the Mickey Mouse Club and what happened to the Mouseketeers by Jerry Bowles. And I've got to say, hey there, hi there, ho there, we're as happy as can be. You are negative nickel right now. You don't know what you know till we know you. You just don't know. Here's one little fact we bet you didn't. One little fact we bet you didn't know. Florida was one of the very first states to establish a highway welcome center. The first center opened in November 1949. It was located on U.S. Highway 17 near Yulee. They offered orange juice and brochures. Now we know you. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. All right, this time around, we're going to get a little international with our bathroom break because our friend Keith Gluck over at the Disney Project just took an incredible trip to both Hong Kong Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland, which we obviously hate him for very, very much. We do. Uh, But, I mean, he was kind enough to go out of his way to take some photos for us, so I guess he's not too bad of a guy. Just don't tell him that we said that, please. Um, So anyway, he sent along some photos of the Mystic Manor restroom in Hong Kong. And, I mean, they look great. First of all, both the men and women's room feature double doors to get in. So, you know, that's kind of super fancy. Um, The the only way they'd be fancier if they were French doors, but they're in Hong Kong. So we're not going to get our country confused. Man, my brain hurts now. I know, sorry. That's country humor. That's that's, We're all smart here on Communicore Weekly. Um... So there's some fancy tile work along the walls in these big open spaces, and Keith reported to me, because he checked, apparently, that all the stalls are your traditional ones, you know, that we're used to, except for the one at the end, which is the non-traditional, for us anyway, hole in the floor, um, where you squat to do your business. True story, guys. I'm not, I'm not making that up. I'll, I'll actually wow. include photos uh, on this week's episode in, on communicalweekly.com. But uh, sadly... They're all still automatic flush, so <sighs> sorry, guys. But it's a shame. Still pretty cool. Still pretty cool. Thank you, Mr. Gluck. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. In New Fantasyland, in the seaside village where Ariel and Eric uh, now live, there is a DVC kiosk theme to that of a, a cartographer. And this little place actually holds two goats. Uh, first is the cartographer's name. is It's listed as H. Goff. And of course, this is a tribute to Harper Goff, the famed Imagineer and an amazing artist. But the second goat ties into one of Goff's uh, most famous creations. Located on the roof of the building is a weather vane. And the weather vane is that of a gigantic squid, which just so happens to be one of the most famous parts of the extinct attraction 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which used to be in the same spot as the DVC kiosk. And to tie it all together, Goff also designed the look of the Nautilus, the sub from the film, which will later go on to be the look of the attraction's vehicles. So, so many goats within the goats within the goats. It's a goatception, that's what's happening. And they have to go, bam, bam. No, yeah, well, yeah, I guess that could work as well. Hey, whatever. I know, hey, that's okay. We can tie it into Lost or Or anything, or flushing toilets. Exactly. Any of our running gags, we're happy with that. And usually they're running away from us. Yes, yes, they are. Please don't use this on that show. 
Okay, so one of the coolest things that we've been doing this past year, and we do say so ourselves, is our year of a million or so limited time cadets. What? Tell each me week, more, George. I'll be happy to you. For only nine nine no, um each <laughs> Wait, year, what? <laughs> no. Each week we're giving away a prize. Some of them are from us, some of them are from Disney, some of them are from the amazing Fairy Godmother Travel, and we're sending them out to a lucky cadet that has chosen to email communicorweekly at gmail.com. That's communicorweekly at gmail.com with their name address because we have to mail it to you and birthday month and day so we can send you something else so this week's year of a million or so limited time cadets prize winner is well they're getting excuse me a walt disney world prize pack from fairy godmother travel and the winner actually is brian k from rochester minnesota hooray i was gonna say i hope it's like um like a heavy coat or jacket, maybe. Maybe. It's probably cold there, especially right now there. during the yeah, summer months. It's all Minnesota. They got like, what, a week of summer, and that's it. That's it? I don't know, I thought that was actually. Alaska. No, I have no idea. We don't know geography. It is not community. It is not geography weekly. Nope. With good reason. With good reason. We tried Kristen Bell weekly. That did not work, so we're going to kind of stick with this for a while. I guess. Yeah, and thanks so much, everybody else, for sticking with us through this whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> And for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. However you absorb the show, uh, whether it's visually on YouTube or on iTunes or whatever, you know, leave us a comment, you know, rate us, whatever. We want to know how, how, what you thought about this week's episode. Yes, please do. And email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com, whether or not just to say, hey, sub Corey, or to enter one of our contests. And of course, you can always like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, because I've been scoping at some theme parks. Jeff has been scoping from his office at lunch. Pretty much. Um, pretty much, yeah. I'm at Imagine Nerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbach. And of course, you can give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And make sure you visit the Communa store at communicorweekly.com where you can get some awesome shirts. Like there's a flushing shirt available. A brand new flushing on your own term shirt. It is awesome. So visit communicorweekly.spreadshirt.com to get your own fantastic flushing on our own terms. Sure. And if your terms. Whose terms? Our Any, terms. Anyway, your so. terms. Sure. Okay. Uh, if you want your official cadet membership card and Communicore Weekly sticker, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856, and I will get it out to you. So make sure to visit patreon.com slash Weekly to help find out how you can support the greatest online show. Uh, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.